Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Saint Podcast. My name is David, and I am your host. All right, guys, so I am just going to start getting right into the episode today. Um, So a little recap for maybe those who have missed it or um, haven't listened in a while. On the last episode, um, I said I was starting a new series, and it's really just a two-part series. This will be the end of it um, about the Christian life. Because there's so much you can um, you can cover with that, so I'm just covering some basics um, that I might you know build on later. So um, my first episode was on the Christian life, and it was about the gospel and what is the gospel and some of like the four main tenets of um, the gospel, and that's um, regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check it out. It is. Um, It'll be called The Christian Life Part 1, What is the Gospel? So um, that's not essential necessarily to, for this episode. To, if you're listening to this one first, it doesn't matter which one. Um, but it is. Uh, I think there's some good stuff in there that I think um, you guys would, would benefit from. So go ahead and check out that first part. For today's episode, I wanted to finish this two-part series by talking about what happens after you accept the gospel and um, Jesus is the Lord of your life, and what the genuine Christian life looks like. So I'm calling this part two of the Christian Life series, Living for the Kingdom. And you guys are going to hear me say kingdom a lot, and I'll kind of break that down as to why. Um, But essentially, this is going to be about the kingdom life, life for God's kingdom. Um, And I've kind of summed it up into four main points. I'm going to be talking about kingdom citizenship, kingdom-mindedness, kingdom culture, and kingdom mission. And why I say kingdom life is because once you're saved and you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you are a part of God's family and you're part of the kingdom of heaven. You're no longer, um, well, Jesus said that his kingdom is not of this world. So we are we are aliens to, to this world now. We are just passerbys. We're, we're sojourners um, in this life, as Paul says. So I'm going to go ahead and just jump into point number one which is called kingdom citizenship. Um, So the Apostle Paul writes that we are citizens of heaven above everything else. And I'm going to jump over to uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Uh, So Paul writes this, and he's saying, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject sorry, to subject all things to himself. And that's actually kind of a cool little callback to glorification, where he says he'll transform our lowly, our lowly bodies into a, glor- a glorified body like his. Um, if you listen to the, ep- the last episode, that is a, a little callback to glorification which I think is kind of cool as I was uh, preparing for this. So what this is saying is that, you know, though we are humans on earth and wherever you live, whether it's the United States, uh, Africa, Australia, Russia, anywhere else, our our citizenship first is in heaven. Uh, That is our first priority. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places. I want to go ahead and jump to that verse. Um, It is in Ephesians because I think this is a... A very, a very interesting verse. Um, I feel like it's not talked about often, but I think it's essential for us to to gain confidence in who we are in Christ. So Ephesians chapter two, verses four and se- uh, sorry, verse four through seven 
says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, when we were saved, we were seated in heavenly places with Christ. Now, obviously, this is uh, in a spiritual sense, you know, physically we're here on earth, but who we are, we are seated in heavenly places. Like I said, we are just sojourners in, in this world. We are um, called to something higher than just living a natural life. Um, and you, you might hear this often, but uh, we are called to be in the world, not of the world. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, when you're a Christian, you can't just exile yourself from community and just live curled up, living your little Christian life in the corner of the church or not talking to anybody who isn't a Christian. You know, that, that's not what we're called to do. We're actually called to enact change in the world. Uh, but that'll be covered in more detail, like at a later point. Um, in today's episode, but the point still stands that when we are called to be a Christian, it means more than just going to church on Sunday and then keeping quiet about it the rest of the week. We are called to go into the world and to, you know, your job, your school, uh, wherever you go, even the grocery store. I mean, anywhere you're called to be the light, the light of the world, um, we are called to be salt, the salt of the earth, and to be the light in the darkness. And that reason is because when it's dark, the light leads the way to safety. And in the dark world that we live in now, we can present the light of Jesus and the gospel to people and lead them down the path of righteousness. Whereas uh, with salt as well, salt preserves. It keeps things fresh and... Um, as Christians, we are called to keep society and preserve it um, for righteousness. And I'll get into it a little later why we might not have, might not be doing that the best, at least over here in the West. Um, so I'll just go ahead and jump into something a little controversial here. I hope I don't ruffle too many feathers here. But somebody's got to say it when it comes to talking about kingdom citizenship. In America especially... We in the church, we have an issue of ultra-patriotism. So, uh, I'm going to give you a minute to process that. <laughs> Are you still listening? All right, great. Let's keep going then. Um, I'm sure that there are some people who might be listening that stopped. So, if you're still with me, uh, thanks for <laughs> staying with me. Um, so, hear me out for a minute. I don't think that patriotism is a bad thing. I think... You should be proud of the country that you live in. I think that, especially here in America, we do have such freedoms. Um, we have the freedom to worship um, in a public place. And I know that there are places because of COVID that have shut down, but that's an issue for a later time because um, there's a lot to that as well. And I think you should be proud of the country you're in. Um, you know, and, and this is where you were born. This is where God placed you. Um and we do have freedoms here. And what I'm saying by, by this ultra-patriotism ultra is that I, I've noticed, at least getting on social media, and I know that's not the best um, influence, but when you just see things, I, I notice there's a lot of 
of people who say that they're Christians, uh, and I always see them starting arguments, um, even within the church with each other, which is which is crazy. So what I'm saying is that if we spend more time arguing with people on social media over political issues like who really won the election or um, you know what's what's going on behind the scenes um, politically, if we put if we spend more energy doing that than we do with sharing the gospel with a broken world, then there's something wrong. And I think almost all of us can agree, except for those that are still in denial. Um, <laughs> we can all agree that that is a major issue within the American church. That uh, you know we, we focus so much on the political side of things, and we focus on things just in the West as opposed to the entire world. Uh, and just our, our viewpoints are very integrated with America. And that's not a bad thing. Again, I am so proud to live in America. I'm proud of my country. Um, it's such a blessing to live somewhere where we have such, uh, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of um, religion and worship. And again, whether or not those are being starting to be stripped away is not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about is the fact that as Christians, we are called to something higher than earthly matters. I'm not saying don't be involved in earthly matters. I'm not saying ignore them completely. I'm saying look at these earthly matters through a heavenly perspective. Um, and to be honest, we should just be careful how we speak to others regardless. Whether you are a Republican or a Democrat, a conservative or a liberal, you know, talking politics since we're already on it, the other political party is not your enemy. The Bible says that our enemy is not flesh and blood but it is spiritual. It's the enemy. It's uh, Satan in the kingdom of darkness. And as kingdom people, we are called to love others. And yes, that includes your quote-unquote enemy or your opposing side. Um, I just feel like what I've noticed is that when you're talking down to someone in a non-loving way, uh, you try and justify you know, your point in an argument you could very well sever any kind of credibility uh, in the future if that person wants to come to Christ. They're not going to come to you because you weren't even talking to them about Christian matters. You were just telling them that they're stupid and that their point is wrong. And again, I'm not saying if somebody's wrong, you don't correct them. What I'm saying is I have just seen a lot of unnecessarily aggressive, um, almost hatred towards people who have different ideologies. And we, we, typically criticize others of saying, well, you know, they don't even listen to us Christians because they just immediately shut us down. And we as Christians are starting to do that to people who don't believe in our whatever we align with politically or um, whatever we believe the Bible says, instead of just having a genuine, honest conversation with them. And that's a big problem because you could very well be missing out on an opportunity to share Christ with someone. There's so much hate in the world, and a lot of it is from Christians. We immediately talk down to people who disagree with us instead of showing them Christ's love and try to have that genuine conversation. Um, and when we do that, it absolutely has no benefit for the kingdom. And to be honest, whoever does that sets a very poor example for the kingdom and is mostly doing it out of pride. They're not even doing it... Uh, for the purpose of growing the kingdom, they're doing it to make themselves feel better. And I, I just, 
that kind of irks me a little bit, I'll be honest. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any means. I'm speaking to myself here as well. Uh, we as the church need to remember where our citizenship lies. So we need to be encouraged by that. And and the whole point of, of this first point is to, to realize that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We are told that we are to love everyone, including our enemies. And that is a countercultural. That is what's going to enact change. When people are, you know, talking trash about us or, you know, whatever. We show them love regardless because this is what Jesus did. When he was carrying the cross, people were spitting at him and, and you know, hitting him. And he still carried that cross and died for those people. I want to go ahead and share uh, a verse, well, a few verses um, that kind of sum this up really well in Matthew uh, 22, verse 34 through 39. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That... This is the great commandment, great and first commandment, and a second like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is huge because a lot of people don't love their neighbor. So again, this is going to be very countercultural, and this is what is going to spark the conversation and the curiosity of why do you continue to, to care about me this way? even though I'm trying to push you off. And that is a perfect opportunity to present Jesus to them. And uh, I just want to encourage you one last time. In, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he is encouraging the church in Philippi to stay focused on the gospel, no matter what is happening in the world around them. And that's just an encouragement because there's so much going on with COVID and, um, you know, rioting and, and just the issues that are rising. Um, in the West. And I think that, you know, we need to be encouraged that this stuff is happening around us and we shouldn't ignore it, but we need to look at it through the lens of the gospel and the heavenly places in which we're seated. So I'm going to go ahead and move to my next point, which kind of transitions. Um, point number two is kingdom mindedness. So, um, I like, I like this one. I'm excited to get into this one. Um, these two points kind of play off each other and are both pointed towards knowing your identity as a kingdom man and a kingdom woman. That's that's who we are. When we are Christians, we are men or women of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, when we know that we have that citizenship in heaven through Christ, we know that we need to let that be our identity. And we, we, we're we still us. You know, we still have our, our personality. We still have our lives. But we have been changed um, spiritually from the inside out. And, and I talked about that last episode with uh, sanctification and glorification and when we understand that that truth that we are citizens of the kingdom we let that flow out through us we we go out and we are the kingdom and i think that's just uh awesome so i'm gonna go ahead and go to the book of colossians and uh paul is writing to the church and I always screw this up. I think it's Colossae, Colossae. I'll probably get messages about that. Um, so 
I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Again, another little throwback to a glorification, which I think I swear I didn't plan that. That's awesome. God planned it. <laughs> um, so uh, this means that regardless of what your circumstances are in your life, um, good or bad, we are to be focusing on our heavenly circumstances uh, and not on our earthly ones. And again, I'm not saying ignore your life. Don't ignore your job. Um, don't ignore your family, your kids. Um, what I'm saying is look at these things through a heavenly perspective. Um, it really does change. When, when you see doing everything as for the kingdom of God, even working, I mean, the Bible says to work heartily, to work um, heartily, not hardly, to work heartily as unto the Lord, to, to put your heart and your soul into it as if you're working for the Lord. So yeah, if you're working for a boss that you don't really like, you still need to give it your best. And I can understand why when you when you have someone um, who is in charge that doesn't really reflect the character that you appreciate, you're still working for the Lord. And um, who knows, you could either, you could plant a seed for the kingdom um, that that person or that boss that, um, that you might not like might be saved or be led to Christ, which is um, awesome. So just remember that we are seated, we're seated in those heavenly places with Jesus. He's for us and we have nothing to fear. Um, the fear of man is not something that, that we should be affected by. And I'll get into that a little bit later, but um, I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. And I know that fear has been a big issue in our world with everything that's been going on. And it's started to seep into the church, um, honestly, with, with the pandemic and, and, and uh, political issues, stuff that I've, I've already talked about. I don't want to have to repeat it all the time. I'm sure you guys know at this point what's happening in the world. Uh, things just seem kind of backwards and upside down and uh, not ideal, right? But this is where we come in. So listen, we are the saints. Uh, we are Christ's church. This is not the time to be afraid. There is way too much at stake here, guys. You got you to gotta hear me here. When the world seems to get darker and darker, I talked about this earlier, that means that we can bring the light of the gospel. And here's the thing. The darker the world gets, the brighter the light will shine. Isn't that awesome? When I, I had that revelation, I was like, oh my gosh. We're all holed up in our houses and we're just chilling, waiting for things to get better when we are the things that will lead to getting better. We are the people who will bring the gospel and the gospel changes lives and it changes the world. We will bring that change, but we can't do it when we're just holed up, being scared like everyone else. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be careful or cautious with you know the pandemic. Um, I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm saying is, we can't be paralyzed by the fear of man. What people say, you know, if we go to church, um, even in a pandemic, you know, could the church get shut down? It's possible, but I want to make a stand for Christ above anything else. I'm not going to let fear um, rule over my life. 
And that would be point number two where people stop listening. So uh, if you're still with me, thanks for sticking, sticking with me. Uh, you're, you're bold and brave. <laughs> so we can't be the light if we are paralyzed by fear. Fear is something that everybody encounters. There is nobody who has not experienced fear at one point or, no, or so in their life. Um, it's what you do with that fear that matters. Uh, there's a quote from A.W. Tozer, who's just an awesome author. I would check out some of his stuff if you haven't. Um, but I love this quote from him. A scared world needs a fearless church. And that's so true. I mean, there's so much truth in that. It's such a simple phrase, but so much truth. And I just think it's crazy because, um, I mean, we're gripped by fear. People watch the news, and we all know that news and media feeds off of the fear of the masses. I mean, it's what gets them views. is what keeps them running. They want to induce fear to keep people engaged and afraid. I mean, um, whether or not those things are that's happening on the news are true or exaggerated or whatever, what I'm saying is we are not called to be afraid of man, of, of the things that are happening in this world. We're called to be a light to the people who are afraid of the things in this world. I know that a lot of Christians will say that America is getting worse because of unbelief. Um, and that may be true to an extent. The love of many has seemed to grow cold, as the Bible says. But um, here we go. Point number three of uh, being controversial. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot of the reasons why the nation seems to be going downwards morally is because the church has kind of stepped back in fear over the past few decades, maybe. Um Definitely, it's it's happened since I've I'm twenty I'm in my twenties so I mean I would say that it seems that the church has kind of stepped back in fear of losing their rights and this is what goes back to to the ultra patriotism I was talking about earlier I feel like we as Christians in America idolize our rights and our freedoms in America over our freedom in Christ ooh that sounded good that's like a a hashtag. Um, but what I'm saying is, it's true. We idolize our freedoms as Americans over our freedoms in Christ. And what I mean by that is we're so scared of losing our freedom to worship openly, our freedom of speech, that we don't speak up about the truth. Another thing that Christians in the West are scared of um, it seems to be, is a fear of persecution. And um, I know this is kind of a, a tough subject, but I mean, we, for however long the Christian church has been alive, there has been persecution. I mean, this is why I say we need to look past just America, because all around the world, Christians are, are being martyred every day for their faith. And we get scared to... I don't know, post something on the internet. And I just got to clarify something. Being made fun of on the internet, on social media, is not persecution. <laughs> so anyone who's saying we're being persecuted for someone, an atheist, commenting on your status, saying God's not real, sorry, that's not persecution. There are people being killed. I mean, think about in Afghanistan, everything that's been going on, there has been so much persecution of the church in Afghanistan, I've, I've read stories and and they're heartbreaking 
but it's also inspiring because they have no fear of man. They will gather with three or four people just in their village that are Christians, and they'll maybe have one page of the Bible, and I mean, they, they're getting killed for that. I saw an article that was saying that soldiers in Afghanistan, um, not soldiers, sorry, um, Taliban soldiers in Afghanistan were killing people who had the Bible app on their phones. I mean, isn't that crazy? Who, everyone that I know that's a Christian has the Bible app on their phones. That's insane to think about. I mean, it's such a casual thing over here. And I think we do really take advantage of those um, freedoms that we boast so much about. Um, and really, we also have a fear of being uncomfortable, um, saying things that are countercultural. And we got to get out of that. And I think what it all boils down to is it's the fear of man. And our fear of man has to be replaced with the fear of the Lord. The book of Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and this is a, a reverence that we need to have for the Lord. Um, a fear because God is, he can be scary. Um, not that we should be afraid like, oh my gosh, he's going to kill me. No, we need to be of how holy he is and how unholy we are. I mean, the book of Isaiah, when the Lord appeared before Isaiah, he fell on his face and said, I'm unworthy. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I that's crazy to think about because that's so true. We are all so unworthy. And when Christ appears in our lives, we get that conviction from the Holy Spirit that we are not worthy, but that he is worthy. And I think that's what the fear of the Lord is. Um, <clears throat> so talking about getting back to uh, fear of man, there's a, a band called For Today, and um, before anyone looks them up, they're a heavy metal band. So if you think that screaming music is of the devil, I wouldn't check it out. Um, <clears throat> but they have a song called A Call to Arms, and uh, it's a Christian band. And there's this quote from that song that I heard, and it really sums up who we are as the church pretty well. Um, it says, Too afraid to be made to suffer, we stay safe in our luxury. While broken people kill each other, desperate men do desperate things. And <laughs> it's so true because we've we've gotten so comfortable, we've kind of been lulled to sleep, <laughs> honestly. Um, too afraid to be made to suffer, I mean, that's, that's crazy to think about, but it's so true. Anytime we, we get uncomfortable, we don't want to have to suffer the consequences. But um, when it comes to living the Christian life, that is a sacrifice. When you live for the kingdom, you live a life of sacrifice. You sacrifice your old habits to the Lord. You sacrifice who you used to be. <clears throat> and you let the Lord change you into who you are um, through him. And uh, this is something that the modern church has backwards, that the Christian life isn't all about you. Um, it's not about your safety or your security. Um, when we're the Christian, we're living a Christian life, we know our security is in Christ so we can go out and proclaim the gospel to a world that is broken and hopeless without it. That is the essence, the true calling of the Christian life. And I want to end each of these points on a hopeful note. So I, I want to say stay hopeful. <clears throat> 
If we want to live kingdom lives, we need to regain the focus on our heavenly reality of who we are and let that be our security so we can focus on sharing Christ with others who were all where we once were. We were all broken at some point. We were all lost. We found Christ, and now we need to share him with others. That's what our job is. <clears throat> and I'm trying not to get too much into that because that's the last point um, that I'm going to make at the end of the, the episode. Um, but for now, I'm going to go on to point number three, which is kingdom culture. So when I say kingdom culture, I just mean genuine Christian fellowship um, in the body of Christ, in your local church with other Christians. You know, it's just who we are, how we interact with each other. Um, this means the environment that um, we as the body of Christ create with one another. So I wanted to share a verse in uh, the book of John, chapter 13, verse 35. Um, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's saying, By this people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one, of one another. So he's not even saying, you'll know that you're a Christian by how you love non-believers. He's saying that you... People will know that you're Christians by the way you love each other within the body, other Christians. And that's kind of profound because we are called to love others who don't know Christ. But we're not setting a great example for, for Christ's love if we don't show love within the body. And this is what I was talking a little bit about earlier with um, social media. And I see so much arguing between Christians about different views of Christianity, different political views, different views about anything. Um and what it comes down to is you can lovingly disagree on things. Um, some people have different convictions about different things. And I think all points need to be backed up by scripture. Um, one thing that I, I get into the discussion with a lot is eschatology, which is the, the study of the end times and the last things. That's always been really important to me. It's kind of how I got back into the faith a few years back. And um, there are, are a lot of different viewpoints that I'm sure I'll talk about eventually. I'm actually kind of on a journey right now, just trying to figure all this stuff out. Um, and the truth is you can lovingly disagree with someone, but the th most things that people argue about within the church are not salvation issues. If you don't agree on a secondary doctrine like eschatology, then you don't have to hate people. You don't have to hate each other for it. As long as you guys agree that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that um, the Bible is the inerrant word of God, um, that it's breathed by God, S some of those essential doctrines, then that's okay if you disagree on, on secondary things. Um, everyone's going to have a different viewpoint. No one person is the exact same. So everyone is going to look at things a little differently, and that's okay. Um, God gave us that individuality, and I think that is a good thing within the church that, that we can have a good discussion. But like I said, it needs to be with love. And if something's going on within the church and someone is doing something um, against God's word, you you correct them lovingly. Paul says that multiple times, that you, you correct with love and you do things in a loving way because they are your brother and sister in Christ. And like it or not, you will be with them for eternity. And you, we are called to love everybody in the body because we are all, it's not about us. It's not about them. We are all for Christ. And again, he is the, we're, we're all part of the kingdom. So regardless of what our worldly circumstances are, we need to love everyone in the kingdom. Um, and um, <clears throat> when we gather, you know, either for the church, the local church service or small groups, or just being out in public, that is a big thing. When, when people, 
when we're out with with Christian friends, how people people will notice um, how people are with each other, um, how we treat each other. In the world today, people are mostly out to to make sure that their own needs are met before any anybody else's. We live in a very self love culture. I mean, you hear self love everywhere. You know, you need more self love. You need to love yourself more. Um, Again, this is going to be very countercultural, but in the kingdom, we are called to be a selfless culture. We're called to love others and put the needs of others before our own. Um, another point I want to make about kingdom culture is that we literally carry the Spirit of God wherever we go. That's who we are. We we are filled with the Holy Spirit um, when we're when we're saved, when we're brought into the kingdom. Um, and I want to share a verse from Matthew eighteen twenty. I'm sure you guys have heard this before. Um, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that before, um, but it's it's true that when multiple believers are put together, it's hard to ignore the presence of God. And it might not just be like this potent, like someone's going to walk over to you and like faint because of the spirit of God. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, um, people will notice a difference in you compared to how they might act or how other people act because the reason for that is nothing that you're doing. It's just the fact that the Spirit of God is there among you. Um, and I just think that's a really encouraging thing to remember when we go out into the world. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to point number four, which is our last point, and that is kingdom mission. Our kingdom mission is quite simple. Um, so we're actually going to go to Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. And we are going to do, uh, we're going to read through the Great Commission at the very end of Matthew, uh, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. And uh, seems pretty straightforward, right? But we have a hard time with that. And that I think the main problem is because it requires a lot of responsibility. Jesus said, look, I have all authority on heaven and earth. Now you take that go and make disciples. I've given you everything you need. Go and and go preach my gospel to the world and win the nations back. And uh, that is the sole purpose of being a Christian. We are called to share the gospel, to spread it, to um, preach the good news of the kingdom. And uh, it is a big responsibility. But the thing is, we don't have to be afraid because in the end, we know Jesus is king, and um, his will is done. And and that is a something we can find comfort in. And then the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, is called the comforter. Um, so it can be scary talking to strangers. Um, I know I, when I've, I've gone up to a couple strangers who I've never even seen before and just talked to them about Jesus, and it was maybe one of the most terrifying things in my life, but you just pray before um, and you just ask the Spirit to speak through you. And uh, 
I, I, that's all you can do. I mean, you, you pray, you pray that the Lord puts people in your life that, um, he's called you to, um, preach the gospel to. And I don't mean like shove it down their throats, like believe this or you're going to go to hell. That doesn't work. I'm sorry to break it to you. Um, show them love first, whether you agree with their lifestyle or not, show them that you care and, and then they'll be willing to listen. Um, because that's what we need to do as Christians. We need to reach people, but we're not going to reach people by shoving a Bible down their throat um, and telling them, repent or die. Because I know there's a sense of urgency that, that we feel, but you have to cultivate relationships with people before you can um, genuinely plant a seed um, of the gospel. So those are kind of our marching orders. We're called to go out and, and deliver the gospel to people. And like I said earlier, now is a better time than any. It's a great opportunity because the world seems so dark, so we got to bring the light to them. Um, we're actually in First uh, Peter. Let me just go ahead and turn there now. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, uh, Peter writes... Um, you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I think that that's just something that we kind of neglect, um, is our our callings to be a royal priesthood um, under Christ. And we are called to be um, live holy lives and to be intercessors. Um for the broken world to God. And um, I would love to dive a little deeper into the Old Testament priesthood and, and uh, relating it to Christ and how Christ fulfilled it. And there's actually a video on YouTube, uh, The Bible Project. If you don't know The Bible Project, they're a, a channel that creates um, videos about um, any th different topics in the Bible and they, they make it simple to understand. Um, and they have a video called Jesus, the Royal priest or the high priest, one of those, um, names. And it's really good. It, it's about five minutes long and it explains, uh, Christ's fulfillment as the Royal priest that was, uh, talked about in the old Testament. And it's just, it really talks about our calling to be priests unto Christ, um, into a broken world. And I, it put it in a really much better way than I am right now. So Go check out that video. Um, and another uh, verse in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 uh, and 6, actually, it says, From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So again, there it is a second time. John's writing this. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. We are called to be a, a, a holy royal priesthood. Um, and I just think that is a, a good way to look at it. We are to be holy people who proclaim the good news and to point people to the high priest who is uh, Jesus. So okay, I'll, I'll get into a little bit. In the Old Testament, there were, um, you know, there were priests and then there was the high priest and the high priest... Um, well, okay, go watch the video. It explains it better than I will. 
but we are called to be the priests that point to the high priest who is Christ, obviously, who brings salvation, who was our um, sacrificial lamb. So uh, that I'm going to finish with um, something I posted on my Instagram, my personal Instagram story, uh, maybe about a week or so ago. Um, and it came to my mind like early in the morning when I first woke up and I, I just kind of felt the need to share it. So <clears throat> this is what I wrote. If we as Christians are call, are part of a kingdom that is not of this world, doesn't this mean we should be we should appear different from the world? This means that as kingdom people, when the world is broken, we bring the solution. When we are persecuted, we love our enemies as Christ loved his enemies. When others keep quiet about truth, we speak up. As the world grows more and more hopeless, we bring the hope of the gospel. When others speak conspiracies, we speak the truth of God's word. When others seek their own desire, we seek the desires of God. When the world is steeped in secular culture, we bring kingdom culture. When the world falls into darkness, we bring the light. Now go out and be the kingdom. And that, I think, is um, kind of a good place to wrap this up. To um, So just to recap, living for the kingdom, I, I was talking about four points. Kingdom citizenship, kingdom-mindedness, kingdom culture, and kingdom mission. Um, so those are... Those are four points I wanted to bring out about what it is to live a Christian life. So just don't forget who you are um, as a member of the kingdom and a citizen of heaven and what Christ has uh, done for you. So I hope this episode was encouraging and edifying to you and your personal walks of faith. I pray that this reached at least one person. Um, one life changed is is enough. Um Please share this podcast with anyone you feel would benefit from it, a new Christian or anyone who might have questions about the faith. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at The Everyday Saint for updates on new episodes and posts, polls, questions, and more. I'm hoping on creating more frequent um, podcasts now that I have some better equipment. This is The Everyday Saint Podcast. I'm your host, David, and don't forget that we are kingdom people, so let's live out the kingdom in our lives. I'll see you next time.